Praise God. Hallelujah. Another time with me, Reverend Solomon Wilson from Toda Tabernacle. Uh, thank God for your life. And um, I believe that you've had a, a, a wonderful week. If not, the Lord is still going to do amazingly beyond your imagination things that you've always wanted him to do. And I thank God for the fact that we have been given such a wonderful platform in the form of the Tenant Radio to um, reach out to the world. And I pray that God gives more rich and influence and expansion in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we, uh, it's always a privilege, as I say, to have uh, to come your way and to share the word of God with you. Uh, I thank God that it's, it's not my word, it's his word. And so he always speaks by the inspiration of his spirit. Amen. So may we have a word of prayer before we get started. Father God, we thank you for the privilege you've given us, O oh God, to come before you. We have come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I believe, just as your word says, that there's power in your word. And so, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will be touched, transformed by the power of your word. Father, we pray for the grace and the faith, O oh God, to be doers of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to go into scripture um, um, today. I'm sort of going to be a bit of a teaching, uh, and I believe that God will bless us through his word. And I'm going to talk on the subject overcoming adversity, overcoming adversity. And the spirit of the Lord laid upon my heart because we are living in days where uh, the times are very adverse in nature, very difficult times. And I believe that God wants to cause us to still believe that is victory. The Lord will show up and things will change. Amen. And so we... Before we read our, our key test, which is in Proverbs 24, verse 10, adversity, as we know, is a difficult, unpleasant situation, or it can be explained as a state or instance of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune. And so we, we are exposed to very difficult times, very unpleasant experiences. And some, some of these experiences have been so intense, so serious, and some of them have been so continuous that we are actually choking with the situations that we are experiencing. But I believe that God has uh, in his will for us to overcome these adversities. And so let's go to our key text, which is in Proverbs 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10. It says, uh, King James says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now, that is a very powerful uh, piece of scripture because it's making us uh, reflect of the fact that there can be a day or there can be times where we go through adversity or difficult times. And uh, God expects us to have the strength to be able to overcome it. So God's expectation for us is to overcome adversity and not faint. Because sometimes it's very easy for us to faint and give up during adverse times or adversities because we think that is the easy way out so when things are difficult we just throw in the towel and say god we just had enough of this and then i just have to forget everything but it's the expectation of god because it says if you think that this trend is small and he's trying to cause us to have this kind of um, mindset that he expects us to be able to expel to have strength enough to overcome the adverse moment and difficult times that come our way your strength should, or our strengths should match or even be bigger than the adversity that we go through. Because the scripture says that if you think 
then your strength is small. It means that you should have a strength in the in the level of intensity or capacity to be able to match the adversity that you're going through. But the good news is that God has made the strength available unto us so that we'll be able to survive and not faint in faint in adverse moments. And so your strength should match or even be bigger than the adversity that you go through. Now, looking at this scripture again, we can see that he uses the word small. That is to say that strength can be quantified. So it means that we can have big strengths, small strength, and they can be quantified. And for things to be quantified, just as um, um, we can see in the scripture, it means that it's measured, it's measured against something. And uh, what is the scale on which it's measured? It's measured against the intensity of the adversity that you go through. Because it says that if you faint, then your strength is small. So the measure of your strength is against the adversity that you go through. And God wants us to understand that he wants us to overcome. He wants us to overcome adversity. And your ability to overcome that adversity is the indicator of your strength. So there are very difficult times that you might go through, which later on I'm going to give examples of them, that God requires us to to show a good indication of strength, um, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and to be able to overcome that adversity. So your ability to overcome adversity is an indicator of your strength. So he wants us to desire, he wants us to know that there's what we call small strength. And if they are small strength, then they can be greater and bigger ones. And he wants us to desire to have that greater and bigger strength so that we don't fail in times of adversity, but overcome adversity. Adversity can be caused by natural factors as well as spiritual influences. Many a times we get this mixed up and things that have got spiritual roots are dealt with naturally and things that have got natural basis are dealt spiritually. And so adversities or adverse moments in times can be as a result of some natural factors and and can also be influenced by spiritual uh, factors also. And it is very important for us to understand this so that we know how to stop binding demons that do not exist or demonic entities that are interfering with things. And we presume that they are just uh, spiritual things, not under understating the fact that some of them are purely spiritual and you are meant to deal with the spirit behind it. But they are caused by natural factors as well as spiritual influences. Now, to bring it down, for us to appreciate what adversity is about, I'm just going to go through some series of examples for us to really connect to what we are talking about, overcoming adversity. Adversity may be a chronic lack. We are not talking about one-off lack, but this kind of habitual, persistent, ongoing lack that seems to mark your life consistently in various areas of your life. It's not just a shorting of something for a, a period of time, but it's this chronic thing. It's a cyclic thing. And it could be seen, adversity can be seen as poverty. It can be seen as a cyclic or chronic failure. So constantly you are failing at the things that you are doing. It's so intense. It's so cyclic in nature that it's so depressing. It's so, it's so uh, frustrating that you want to give up. Because you start a business, it fails. You start a relationship, it fails. You start ministry, it fails. You start the company, it fails. Everything that you seem to, to touch seems to go through that cycle, chronic failure. But I believe that God wants us to break that cycle and to break that chronic nature 
in the form of the failure. Adversity can also be seen as a prolonged period of joblessness. Somebody listening to me this hour will connect with this, that you've gone through that period, that you are struggling to find any stable job. And because of that, the joblessness, it has brought strain, it has brought strain to your life, strain to your family life, it's brought strain to your marriages, and you are struggling in areas that you are meant to excel. And so adversity can be a prolonged period of joblessness. It can also be sickness. Probably you've gone through a period of sickness over a long period of time. It's actually eating you sleepless nights. A diagnosis not properly done. You're not very sure what you're experiencing. But I believe for sure that God wants us to overcome that adversity. It can also be seen as physical or emotional abuse, or it can be emotional pain. You are going through that physical abuse. You are subjected to it emotionally. You're unstable because you have been abused. You are going through pain. And this is an adverse moment that you're going through. But God says that you can overcome it. You can overcome it. And other examples could be a legal litigation, could be a bullying at work, extreme discrimination or mistreatment in certain areas of your life. It can be in terms of your career or in the relationships that you find yourself in. These are adversities. But the interesting thing about adversities is that someone will call something as being adverse, but you may see it as nothing. I mean, this is very easy. This I've dealt with before. But relatively, everybody's adversity can be de defined differently in terms of the intensity. And the, at which, uh, the, the way at which you are impacted by the adversity will be determined by your strength. When it comes to small strength, you will give up your faith. But when it comes bigger strength, you are able to endure um, and challenges and, 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 and adverse moments. But I believe that God is saying to us as we go through this teaching that you have the ability to overcome, regardless of the scale and the size. The strength of God is available for you to overcome that advert experience. Amen. Now, let's go into scripture because so far we have not read any scripture yet. But I want us to look at scripture, and I believe that God will want us to um, know something uh, through his scriptures. Okay, how do we overcome adversity? How do we overcome adversity? Now, the first principle is know that it is not permanent. Know that the adverse period is not permanent. The tough times that you are going through, i.e. in the times of the examples that we've given, is not a permanent situation. And many a times people become very suicidal and they become very frustrated because the enemy tells them that what you are going through is, is never going to go away. It's permanent. So you either take your life, resign, draw out of the marriage, destroy the business, and the alternatives that the enemy gives you is all based on the illusion that what you are going through is always going to be like that. And so the first way of overcoming an adversity is to have this strong conviction within your spirit that this is not permanent. This is not forever. It will fade away. Now let's look at Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14, I read. It says, enjoy prosperity. That's the New Living Translation. While you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. And remember that nothing is certain in life. 
Know that nothing is certain. Means that nothing is predictable in life. Nothing is permanent in life. Nothing is forever. And it talks about hard times. It means that there are sections or, or blocks of period and seasons where things are going to be very difficult. And when things are difficult, he says, enjoy prosperity whilst you can. There are going to be a moment of prosperity that is going to come your way. And so never think that the adversity that you are going through now is something that is meant to stay. There are moments and there are times where God will show you prosperity. But he says, embrace life as a whole with the ups and the downs that come into your life because they all amount to the testimony and the richness of what God can do in our lives. And so he wants you to understand that there are moments of hard times. There are times that are going to be difficult. But he says, embrace it, realize that it is all in the working of the Lord. In fact, Romans 8.28 says, they all work in favor, work into our good, those that are called according to his purpose. And so it's all the workings of God coming together. So it is not a permanent experience. It is a temporal experience. Now, when we marry this scripture, Ecclesiastes 7, 14, with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, reading from the King James Version. It says, but the grace of God, who had called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Now, it says this, after that ye have suffered a while, that where there is a while. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Amen. Now you can see from this scripture that he introduces God as the God of grace. Now it means that his grace abounds even in difficult moments, even in seasons of adversity. But one thing that he makes it so clear in the scripture is that after you have suffered a while, it means that there is a lifespan and a shelf life to that adversity, the sufferings and the difficulty that you're going through is not permanent. It's not going to be there all the time. There's going to be a season that it will fade away. And so never get to a, a time in your life that you think that this is so, it's the strategy of the enemy and you become so depressed. Nothing is going to change. It's going to remain the same. But he says, after you have suffered a while, now he says that after you've gone through the period and the season of suffering, he makes mention of the fact that the Lord brings you to perfection. There is a season of perfection. There is a time of establishment. There is a time for strengthening and there's a time for God to settle you. So whilst you're going through these difficult times, God wants you to understand that it's only seasonal. It is not permanent. There's going to come a season where you're going to see a change. As simple as the, the point may sound, I mean, it can be so unbearable when you are hit by so many problems back to back that you think that you are never going to come out of this. Your credit history is gone bad. You cannot take any credit. You can't buy anything. Your ministry reputation is destroyed. We are talking about your, 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 your ability to be a wife is being tarnished. Your ability to be a husband or father has been tarnished. And you think like you can't restore yourself in any way. But when the heart is right and you desire of the Lord for a change, knowing that it is not a permanent situation, the Lord will show up. The Lord will show up. So in a nutshell, 
bringing everything together based on the two verses, we can see things like saying the fact that the season of adversity will pass away. It is not permanent. It is subject to change. It is subject to change. It will change. Life is full of challenges. And these challenges are mostly not predictable. And many a times the strategy of the enemy is that it makes you to think that your tomorrow will be the same as today. Next week is going to be as bad as today. Next month is not going to be any different. And next year is going to be the same story. And when the enemy fills your mind and your imaginations with these things and your lack of ability to even predict what is going to happen tomorrow, you become so frightened and you give up. But it's not a permanent situation because our God knows the plans that he has for us to bring us to an expected end. And there is a place of glory. There is a place of establishment. There is a place and a time for perfection. And that time will come. Amen. And so your season of prosperity and glory will come. Appreciate life and the changes it comes with. Appreciate everything. Remember that there's enough grace for the season of adversities. And you will get to your season of stability. You get to your season of establishment. You get to your time of settlement. And you get to your time of strength. So it's not permanent. So I want anybody who's listening to us this hour to understand the fact that what you are going through in a form of adversity is not permanent. I emphasize the word again, is not permanent. I want you to be lifted. I want you to be encouraged knowing this, that the situation is subject to change. Amen. So that's the first principle, overcoming adversity. Now let's move on to the second principle. How do we overcome adversity? How do we overcome adversity? We overcome adversity with the support of family and friends. These points that I'm raising it seems very simple, straightforward, practical. And that is the essence of what I'm trying to portray by the grace of God. And you'll be surprised to know that just as it might sound very simple, when we talk about support of family and friends, some of you cannot even connect with this because there's nobody you can call a friend and there's nobody you can call a family. There's nobody you can rely on. When things became difficult, you try calling some few places, you try telling your story, but nobody seems to be interested in it because either they care less about it or they've got other issues to deal with it themselves. But I believe that it is a matter of a truth that the support of family and friends are very crucial in overcoming advent moment or a difficult moment. Now let's appreciate it. Let's back this up with some few scriptures. So now let's go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17. I read it. The King James. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. He will love you. A true friend will love you at all times, including the difficult times. When you are being rejected, when you are troubled at all sides, when things are so difficult in your life, friends will love you in spite of it. Regardless of what you are going through, friends will love you. And we are talking about friends here with a capital F, 
true friends. Now it says, and a brother is born for adversity. Now it uses the word born as to say that he's going to be with you through the thick and the thin. He's going to be with you. A brother is born for adversity. So it means that when you go through adverse moments and adversity, the one that is called a brother is there with you. When you go up, he's there. When you come down, he's there. He sticks with you. And it's very important. You might say that I don't need anybody. Nobody is an island. Everybody needs someone. And uh, probably you've built that kind of uh, defense around yourself because of the hurtful experiences that you've gone through. And it's part of the adversity that you're going through. So you are struggling to understand what a wife should be, what a husband should be. You are struggling to understand what a daughter or son should be in terms of the love that you receive from them because you're going through that rejection, that betrayal, and that disappointment. But we still need true friends and family to support us through adverse moments. Now, from Proverbs 17, verse 17, we can see that a true friend will, and will love you even in adversity. True friendship is demonstrated in time of adversity. If you want to test how true you are as a friend or how true a friend is, you can tell it by the test of adversity. When you go through difficult times, that is when true friendship is tested. And I was making this example. We used to have a, a man that came into our ministry years back and um, he came broken. He came broken. He had issues upon issues with, with marriages, um, um, uh, double marriages, double relationship at the same time. He was struggling financially. And most importantly, he was a guy that was very friendly. And he had a lot of friends that he, he went out with the, the nightclubs and the parties and, and they were all around him. But when this man came into our lives, into the ministry, um, the Lord tremendously restored his life. Not just his, his spiritual life and his work with God, but he gave, them, he gave him the work that he, he was lacking. Financially, things start changing. And uh, we, we saw some change. When, when, when these changes, positive changes were happening, this guy told us that he's never seen such people who are so caring like us. And he would never let go. He will keep us. He will, and I, I, I kept on telling my wife, this guy doesn't really know how things can change. But lo and behold, when things became better, the friends that rejected him, he went back to them because now he has something to show. But my question is, where were these friends when things were difficult? I mean, the first, the first um, test for friendship is when things are difficult. Those that will stick with you. And it's a friendships are tested in times of adversity. You need the support of true friends to overcome adversity. Now, the question is, who do you call a brother? A brother or a sister is not just the one that is related to you biologically. So let's come back to the question again. Who would you call a brother? Who would you call a sister? Um, uh, Proverbs 18.24 says this, that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God, the Lord has blessed you not just biologically with siblings, but the Lord has blessed you with people around you that you can classify them as true brothers and as true sisters. And these are the people that you need in time of adversity. You need a brother, you need a sister, you need a family 
to overcome adversity. The support of family and the unity of the family in times of adversity is so crucial. You know, when things are difficult, that's when the tensions build up in the home, in marriages. That is when you see the true nature of a husband and the true nature of a wife. That's when you see a true nature of a brother and the true nature of a sister. But I believe that when things are difficult as a family unit, as, as a circle of friends, and you build that system of unity among you and support each other, God is going to use that system to restore you and to cause you to go through difficult times. I know families that may be seen or may be deemed as struggling, but the unity and the support within the family brings them out all the time. And I believe that God is saying that if there's any issues with your marriage, if there are any issues with your family circles, if there are certain things that is depriving you of getting the maximum support that you are needed and is yet truly available to you, but because you've just withdrawn into yourself, I've not accessed it. I pray that the Lord will give you the wisdom to restore and to strengthen that relationship because God is going to use that to bring you out of that adversity. Amen. Now, why do we need friends? Why do we need friends? Now, let's appreciate another scripture. We need friends and family to get us to overcome adversity. First Samuel 23, verse 15 and 17. Now, this, this, um, this topic can go on for a while. But as time will allow, the Spirit of the Lord will lead us to, to end at a point that is appropriate. But First Samuel chapter 23, 15 to 17. 1 Samuel 23, 15 to 17. And I'm reading from the King James. 1 Samuel 2, 3, verse 1, 5 to 1, 7. I read. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph, in a wood. And Jonathan's, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. Mm. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. Now, very interesting. Now we know that David, as you know, was a shepherd boy with no royal background at all. But the oil and the grace of God has found him. And he's been anointed as the next king of Israel, even though Saul was still the resident king, physically. Now, the Bible says that he had been around the palace, he was very close to the palace, and um, he has gone to hide out. In the water. He's moved out and, and went to hide out in the wilderness, actually. And um, Saul was looking out for David um, to, to kill him. Now, let's look how friendship can be used to overcome adversity. Because David is being pursued over a prolonged period of time, wanting to be killed by Saul. But the Bible says this, And Jonathan, the son of Saul, went to David in the wood. Now listen to this. Jonathan went to David, A true friend will come to you and will come to your level in the time of adversity. He lived in the luxury, uh, the luxury of the palace. Is 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 a prince, and so why would a prince leave the palace and then go into a wilderness? 
The reason why he's going into the woods in the wilderness is that he's offering the kind of support system to enable David to overcome that adversity. So if we call ourselves, ourselves as true friends, and if in fact we have true friends, one of the ways of seeing this, which is of course very useful in getting out as out of adversity, is that they come to our level, they come to our point. It's all because he didn't ask for help, because he didn't call me. No, a friend, true friend, will go into the situation, will go to their level, try to find a way to sort it out. So um, uh, Jonathan went into the wood in the wilderness. That's what a true friend does. And that's what is needed in overcoming adversity. Now, when he went into the wilderness, the Bible says that he strengthened his hand in God. Now, there are two things that we can see from that phrase. True friends which are needed for overcoming adversity give encouragement and strength. They give encouragement and strength. If you're a true friend and you see a friend in adversity, if you are the one in adversity, one of the ways that it is, it is so useful in overcoming it is that these friends will give you encouragement and strength. Are you being encouraged? Are you encouraging somebody? Are you giving them strength? If you are doing so, what it means is that you are helping that individual out of that adversity to overcome that adversity. Because many a times we don't have many people around us who encourage us. But Jonathan did that to David. Now, from the same phrase, he strengthened his hand in God. So it means that he was a godly friend. And godly friends will strengthen your hand in the Lord. They, they're not portraying themselves as the Savior. They don't portray themselves as the only way out of the situation. But they bring your focus on God all the time. They say that God can do it. Even though God can use them sometimes to financially support you or physically do something in support. But they don't see themselves as the source of the support. He did not go bragging that because I'm a prince, I will help you out. But he actually strengthened his hand, which was the hand of David, in the Lord. And we need godly friends like this who always bring us to the awareness of the availability of the strength of God and that the strength of God is available unto them. Now, one other thing that he also said, which is very useful in overcoming um, adversity is using the family and the friend influence or support, is that he says, fear not. You need a friend who can bring your fears down, not heighten them. Friends who can tell you, that do not be afraid. You need that word from a friend, from a true friend. It might be as simple as it may sound, but it just needs somebody to tell you that it's not over yet. Do not be afraid. Fear is a dangerous thing. Fear is distracting. But when you have the support or a companionship through that adverse time, you are able to deal with that fear. Now, what he also says in that same a couple of verses, is that for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. What friends do and true friends do is that they offer protective shield during the time of adversity. That's why we need friends. They form a shield around us. I said, the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you. Why? Because you are shielded. 
by the friendship that exists between us. Are you being such a friend like Jonathan? Or do you have such friends in your life? If not, then it, it will become difficult for you to overcome your adversities. It will become difficult for that brother of yours, for that sister of yours, for that husband of yours or that wife of yours to go through that patch of illness and sickness. We are able to offer that help and say, God, uh, I, 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 just, just tell him that, tell her that I'm ready. I'm there for you. Do not be afraid. That sense of assurance is very important. Like I said, very practical point. Now, the interesting thing about this verse is the conclusion of the 17. It says this, and thou shalt be king over Israel. Why do we need true godly friends? Because what they do is that they remind us of the promises and the prophecies of God about our lives. He says, my brother, you're going to be the next king of Israel. They see the greatness in you, even in your lowest moment. They can tell you that Abigail is going to be all right. Samuel, Sam is going to be all right. Uh, Betty is going to be all right. And you're going to be that person that you want to be. In terms of ministry, in terms of career, in terms of what you are struggling with, your health will be restored. I want you to believe in the promises. You've been anointed as king. My father even knows that you are going to be king. That is what has been said of you in the spirit. And, and the true friend always reminds you that it's going to be well because it's been said in the word of God. Amen. Now, another interesting thing before we move away from that scripture is that he says, and you shall be the king of Israel. Now listen to a prince speaking. And I shall be next to you. Now, ideally, naturally speaking, the natural progression is when my father is no more, I'll be king. But a true friend, not envying the promotion of David, was there supporting. He says that I don't mind, and I know you are going to be king, and I'll be second to you. I don't mind playing a second fiddle to you. I don't mind just being by you. Because I believe that this is what God has called you to do. The reason why we don't have such effective circle of friends and family around us is one, they are so envious that they prefer that you stay in that adversity. But if you have friends that believe in what God has said about you, they believe in the promises of God concerning your life, bring your attention to the strength that God gives, and they are not envious. They are able to help you overcome adversity. So I just asked the scripture says there's a few things that we can extract from that. That the last bit that I want us to um, emphasize is that Jonathan made David aware of what Saul, his enemy, knew about him and his future. He says Saul knows that you are going to be king. You know, we need to understand and really grab the understanding that friends who are true friends, will always tell you that they believe in your future. They believe in your future. And um, just as a word of um, uh, uh, word, uh, word, word noting, that our enemies come against us because they know what God is going to turn us to be, what God is going to do in our lives. They know. They know. That's why we started off by saying that no, that is not permanent. It's not. And the enemy knows. That's why he's coming at you. But your moment of 
blessing, your moment of glory, your moment of settlement will come your way. Amen. Now I'm going to just touch on a couple of verses and then we pray. So, so far I've just said two ways. The first one is by knowing that the situation is not permanent. The second one is by using friends and family. Amen. So we are still on the friends and family. But let's read Job chapter 2 verse 13. Job chapter 2 verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Job chapter 2 verse 13. Then, talking about the friends of Job, then they sat on the ground with him. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. And no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was so great for words. Now, very beautiful scripture. Job had friends. I mean, as at this point, they were all right. They had not started saying anything. But let's appreciate this. We're going to come to this if we have the chance to uh, progress with this, with this lesson or teaching. But you can see that the friends of Job sat on the ground with him. Now, the kind of friends that can help us overcome adversity are the friends that will sit with us. They will sit with us. They will go through the process with us. So they came sitting with him seven days and seven nights. This is not a joke. And in our modern days, we cannot do this. And they were not sitting in comfortable places. They were sick, sitting in places where people would see that they were in the state of mourning. They had ripped off clothes, Job had, and had, had ashes on him, and they sat with him. They were not embarrassed to associate with Job. I'll say that again. They were not embarrassed. Because some of these friends who call themselves friends, they feel embarrassed trying to associate with you because of the adversity you are going through. They don't want to sit with you. It's a public embarrassment for me to associate myself with Job, for me to be sitting with a, with a guy who's now lost everything and is ripped his clothes off and is covered in ashes. And I want publicly for people to know that we are friends. No, people will not want to do that. But these friends were willing to stick around and sit with him. Are you such a friend? Or do you have such friends? Who are willing to sit with you? Because you need them. To go through that process. And the Bible says also. That they sat with him. And they said no word. They said nothing. They were quiet. Friends that will listen. And not complicate your adversity with words. They, 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 they were not going to say anything. At least at this point. The friends of, of, of Job were quiet. And the Bible says that they sat with him. They sat with him and they were quiet. Sometimes you need somebody who just sit with you. Not say anything. Or sometimes you need to be that friend that would just sit and not have an opinion of what is going on. Not judge that individual. Not try to tell him that you are going through this because of that. And because of your stubbornness. And because you wouldn't listen. Sometimes you just have to be quiet and be there. And it's a supportive way of helping a brother or a sister to overcome adversity. Now, such friends are needed to overcome adversity. Quiet, not saying anything to complicate the situation. Sometimes silence is louder than words in showing our support. Sometimes silence is louder. 
that works when we want to show our support for our friends. And then finally, before of course, us to pray. Friends that cannot see your suffering cannot help you overcome it. Now, going back to the scripture again, Second Job, uh, Job 2, 30, it says, for they saw his suffering. They saw it. That saw there is not just about physically seeing. They felt it. They could see it. They could feel it. So friends that cannot see your suffering cannot help you out. They cannot be a supportive mechanism for you to overcome your adversity. They don't feel it. And there is this adage in one of the languages in Ghana that says that when something is stuck on you, it's as if it's stuck on a tree. That is to say that you don't feel it at all because the, the thing is not piercing your body and so you don't feel it. It's as if it's touching something that is so foreign and outside your body like a tree. And so you can never receive a friend's help or you can never be a friend that will help a friend to overcome difficult times if you cannot feel it. The Bible, the Bible says that they saw the suffering that he was going through and they knew that this cannot be solved with words. It is not everything that can be sorted out with words. There are certain things that just silent and being there as a friend, as a family, is enough to support a friend and a family through difficult times. Amen. Now, let's see if we can just round it up and finish off that point by just quoting one more scripture and then we pray. Still supporting the point that through friends and families, we are able to overcome adversity. So the same Job, Job 42 verse 10, and then we pray. Job 42, verse 10 and 11, reading the New Living Translation. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. Why? That's what I'm talking about. If we start from the, the last bit of verse 11, the Bible says that they gave gift and money. The reason why we need friends and we need family in times of adversity is that they can be givers of money and givers of wealth. Do you have such friends around you? Are you willing to be such a friend? That will give a gold ring and that will give money. We need that. If we are friends indeed, we should be willing to, to give that to our friends. But the interesting thing, going back to verse 10, later on in between the verse 2, uh, the chapter 2 and chapter 42, the friends had started talking. And the words that we, they were speaking, in fact, the Bible says that they were speaking against God. And the Bible says that they spoke against God unlike you, Job. That, stood, uh, that said nothing evil against me. In fact, the wife of Job said that curse God and die. So you can see that in between, they are started saying certain things and those things had offended God. And so the Lord told them that they should go and make sacrifices. They should go to Job for Job to pray over them. But now listen to this in the verse 10. When Job prayed over his friends, the Lord restored his fortune. 
That's why we need friends around us. Because a prayer for a friend is a restoration of our situation. So if we have friends that are willing to pray for us, and if you are that supportive of a friend, then God will turn your situation around. He will bring you out of that adversity because you understand the value of friendship. And the Bible says that he got twice as much as before and there was celebration in the house. He received comfort. People came with gifts and money. Amen. So at this point, we share a word of prayer. If you don't remember anything, the Lord is saying that the situation is not permanent. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14, 1 Peter 5 verse 10. And we just said that we need the support of family and friends. And most crucially, what I believe that we need to pray about as we are about to finish is that the issues and the complications that have gone on within your family or within your friendship circles that has made you not to enjoy this supportive mechanism around you is what I believe that God wants us to pray about. May we have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We give you praise and glory for speaking into our lives in a very practical way. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Anybody in adversity or going through difficult period of time, Father, we pray that they will see that it is not a permanent situation. And it's just a season that will pass. Father, we pray that you being the God of all grace, will enable them, equipping them, making them to be strengthened, to overcome that season of adversity. Father, may you usher them to a season of glory. May you usher them, oh God, to a season of settlement, to a season of establishment in the name of Jesus. Father, those that are struggling in their families and their friendship circles, oh God, and are not receiving the benefit of such supports, Father, in the name of Jesus, restore that marriage, restore that family, restore that friendship. And Father, we pray that we'll be such a friend like Jonathan, that we'll be able to come from the high levels that we may seem ourselves to be, but come down to their levels and connect with them, bringing them their mind back to your promises and your prophecy, that they will see the goodness in our friends and promote them, oh God. Father, we thank you, we give you praise and glory. May this word begin to resonate in our minds and our spirit and expand it by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Meet again.